Greetings from Bishop Aubrey Shines and G2G Ministries in Tampa, Florida. We pray that you would be blessed and encouraged by the biblical message you are about to hear. Today's classic sermon from Bishop Shines is part four of Fundamental Doctrines, with reference scripture Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, and John chapter 6, verses 27 through 29, all in the Amplified Classic Translation. Let's go into the Word of the Lord, Amplified Translation. If you can see it on your screen, say amen. Come on, I love your voice, by the way. Come on, read with Pastor the first uh, two verses here, beginning at verse 1, chapter 6 of the book of Hebrews in the Amplified Translation. Read with me. Therefore, let us go on and get past the elementary stage in the teachings and doctrine of Christ, the Messiah, advancing steadily toward the completeness and perfection that belong to what? Spiritual maturity. Let us not again be laying the foundation of repentance and abandonment of dead works, dead formalism, and of the faith by which you turn to God. Verse 2, with teachings about what? Purifying, the laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead, and eternal judgment and punishment. What? These are all matters of which you should have been fully aware of. How long? Long, long ago. Notice what the apostle is saying. He said, these are the fundamental things that every believer should have an elementary knowledge of. How many remember going to elementary school? Where did you start at? In kindergarten. So what Paul is saying is, these are the fundamental ABCs of every Christian's life. If you don't know these particular doctrines, these are basic doctrines. If you don't know these doctrines, please hear me. This will hinder you from receiving the larger things in life. You will respond to God, respond to life out of your emotions, out of what you've heard, but you won't respond as it relates to uh, having a real understanding. So touch someone uh, before you take a seat, just touch them real quick and tell them we are here to learn the word of the Lord. Tell them get prepared to do so. All right. So let's do this as you take your seat. I'm going to go into another verse of scripture. I want you to turn with me, if you don't mind, over to St. John 6. St. John 6. St. John 6. Let's do it. Let's, let's go here. And let's start, if you don't mind, around the 27th verse, I believe is where, yep, it is, is where I gave. Now, understand the story. Again, I'm giving you the doctrine, and you may want to write this down, the doctrine of faith or the basic doctrine of faith. Say with me, say the basic doctrine of faith is one of the basic doctrines, come on, that I need in order to move from a place of receiving the milk as infants do, of the word of the Lord, say with me, to go to meat that belongs to mature spiritual adults. All right, come on. I'm glad you said that. Let's go to verse 27. I want you to make sure you get this because a lot of us miss what we think faith is here. And this is one of the elements uh, of the doctrine of faith. This is how God works faith, what I call uh, in the life of the believer. Go to verse 27. And let's read, let's go to the amp, if you don't mind. Let's go to the amp uh, on this here. I really want you to see this this way. Everyone look up at the screen. I'll do the reading for you. 
uh, on this one here, and I'll ask you to exchange with me in just a moment. Watch the word. Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using. But strive. Now, remember, this is Jesus speaking here. But strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food which endures continually unto life eternal. The Son of Man will give, will furnish you that. For God the Father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. Before I read the next two verses, please hear pastor's heart. Jesus is talking to a group of men, women that have followed him. He has just performed these miracles and they have seen small portions of food turn into larger portions of food. Please write this down. That rep please write this down. That represents what is called earthly things. Jesus has just produced earthly things for them. But yet, he's also telling them that he's going to bring them into a place where they need to understand how to do greater than what he just saw. So he's going through all this with them, and then he begins to talk like this. He said, look, again, verse 27, stop toiling, means working, uh, hard for and, and doing uh, and producing for the food that dies. In other words, please write this down on your journals. You don't need faith for these things. This is not what faith is needed for. I've often come out of a strong Pentecostal environment that some of it is what I call hyper. Uh, <laughs> I don't like calling it hyper grace because I think that's a contradiction. I'm kind of going through some things here in my heart, in my head, and sharing this with you. There are environments that really taught, if you really had faith in God, that you would have the power to get a lot of stuff. That is not the teaching of the gospel, by the way. That's the teaching of man that will use you in order to do what they wanted to do in order to get you to a certain place. But the real teaching of faith has nothing to do with that at all. Jesus said... That if you first seek him and everything that he's doing in as it relates to your life, he said, those things, those natural things, he says, I'll give you all of that. As a matter of fact, he went on further. I'm not here to quote all of Matthew 6. I didn't even ask you to turn to it. It just came to me. But he went on further to say, he says, if you seek him or have faith for him for things, he says to the believer, then you are no different than those that really don't even believe in him. Jesus actually uses the word heathen. He said, then you're no different than the heathen nations that only come for material stuff. Would you touch two people on the shoulder and tell them you're much bigger than your material world? Come on. Tell them you're much, much bigger than your material world. Now, come on, go back to the scripture if you don't mind. Stop toiling and doing and producing for the food that perishes and decomposes in the using. He said, but I want you, here's where I want you to work. He says, I want you to work, strive and work and produce rather for the lasting food which endures continually unto life eternal. The son of man will give, will furnish you that. Everyone make sure you write down that the basic doctrine of faith, please write it down, is something, number one, that is given to the believer. So you don't have to work to get it. 
It's already given to you. So you don't have to work to get this. And I want to make sure I'm laying a good foundation because there are a lot of people that just go to church to go to church. There are a lot of people that feel good to go to church. I've had the distinct opportunity uh, to minister prophetically, preach in some of the largest congregations in this nation all the time. As a matter of fact, I still turn down tons of invitations, uh, even to this day. Uh, during a particular time of almost 19, 18 to 19 years, I was one of the key what's called evangelists uh, in the largest Pentecostal Reformation in the nation. And I had the ears of the, the key leaders, the prelates uh, that were over these organizations. And even outside of those organizations, uh, I've been called in to prophetically speak, whether it is into the life of entertainers, athletes, politicians, etc. because wherever the faith is, then God will lead you and make sure that you exercise whatever it is that he's poured into you. Most people that wanted to become it did not understand that there was a process in measuring it. My job is to make sure that I can get out of you, not for my sake, and not that you can get stuff sake, but that you can be in tune with God to such a degree that whatever God wants you to do, your faith will manifest when it is needed, and that way you can get the job done. And if you don't see it manifesting, God will then give you the peace while you're in it to let you know that he is still in control, even though what you're looking for has not happened. Touch two people and tell them when you get settled in basic doctrine. Come on. Tell them you'll stop worrying so much. I'll show it to you in just a moment. So note the word of the Lord. But strive and work to produce for the food that lasts, endures continually unto life eternal. The Son of Man will furnish you that. For God the Father has authorized and certified him and put his seal of endorsement upon him. What did he do it for? To make sure that you and I had the faith to get what we need. It's going to make some of you upset here in just a moment, but I'll get you healed. Then they said, they then said, rather, verse 28, let's go to it. They then said, after he had given them uh, this, this foundation or this template, note then what Christ said. What are, uh, they said, rather, they then said, what are we to do? that we may habitually be working the works of God. Now, remember the question before this, and you'd have to read it on your own, was Jesus said, look, you all are excited about the miracles. He said, you're going to do all this stuff yourself. As a matter of fact, you're going to have a better, better work than I even had. Your work is going to be bigger. Then they asked him the question, well, then what, what are we to do? How are we going to get? What they were really saying was, how are we going to get the faith that we need in order to get what we're looking for. How are we going to get it? And now here Jesus begins to give them an insight. Again, go to verse 28. Then uh, they then said, rather, what are we to do that we may habitually be working the works of God? What are we to do to carry out what God requires? And then Jesus responded to them in verse 29. Jesus replied, this is the work or service that God asks of you, that you do what? That you believe in the one whom he has sent, that you cleave to, you trust, you rely on, and you have faith in his what? So note where the faith begins. 
It begins in the messenger. And the reason I got to take just a little time here is because so many of us have been taught what I called a, a, a biblical narrative that's really not theologically sound at all. We've been taught that it's having faith in us, that we can do this and we can do this. No, you cannot divorce yourself from where real faith is uh, by depending upon your own works. Can we talk here? Can we have an honest conversation? I only need honesty. How many of us have at some point believed that God was going to do something, and when it did not happen, we then have what is called a deduction in our mind to then come to a conclusion, maybe God wasn't in it in the first place? Come on. How many have ever said that I believe God is going to do such and such, and then when it didn't happen, you come then to a conclusion, maybe it was not in the will of God in the first place. Let me help you. God never makes mistakes. If God says something, then he has already given you the power to make sure that it comes to pass. Now watch this. When you don't operate in the faith of God, then you are operating in your own emotions. This is why people are always trying to manipulate and control other people. It's not that you're really praying for them. It's that you are manipulating them. Can I give you what the scripture says? Anywhere there is manipulation, it is actually according to the prophets of old. It is called, please write it down, a spirit of witchcraft. Whenever you have to manipulate someone into faith, it is not working the will of God. It is your way of controlling that individual. That's not God. That's witchcraft because witchcraft controls how a person does what he or she does. This is why people can have been, they can, they can be people that have been raised in church for years, but they don't have the mind of God in their daily lives. Why? They never had a basic fundamental foundation of what God even thinks of them, requires of them, and they can no longer do what God has really called them to do. So the Lord says if you want to get this again, go to verse 29. He replied, this is a work to service that, that God asks of you. Now, nobody asks of you that you do what? Believe. Everyone say with me, believing. Come on. Believing. Say believing is a work within itself. Now, the scripture says, how do we get it? It says we cleave to him. We cleave to the messenger. Now, I like doing this. I know it makes some of you uncomfortable, but I'm here to do that anyway. I want you to get a little uncomfortable. I want you to sit just for a second next to someone, just a little close. You can go back to your seat here in just a moment. I want you to live out the word. And the reason I want you to do it is that people understand better by instruction. Again, you can go back to your seat uh, when you finish. Now, let's do what the scripture says. The scripture says we cleave to the messenger. I want you to pretend for just a moment, the person you're sitting next to is the person that has the answer for your life. I want you to hug them. That is the word cleave. Come on. But when you hug them, don't let them go. Don't let them go. Some of y'all already letting them go. That's how you do the word of God. You hold, but because you know why? If you're a man hugging a man, you're uncomfortable. Because you're like, hey, man, just come on, dude, just lighten up, loosen up a little bit. But watch this. God will put you in situations that if you don't hug and hold on to it, what God has for you, you will let it go. Why? Because he's commanding us to hold on to what he's given. All right, you can let the person go. I know that took so much. Put your hands together and tell them I love you, but I'm glad to let you go. Go ahead. 
<laughs> you better not say that. All right. Now, note the word. I got to go to three more scriptures here real quick. Go again to verse 29. Pull it back up, Audrey, for me uh, in the Amplified. Note what it says here. Jesus is responding to them because they were trying to figure out, well, how are we going to build this doctrine of faith? Jesus replied, this is how you do it. This is the work or the service that God asks of you. What you believe in the one in whom you believe has sent, hold on to it, trust him, rely on him, have faith that he's your messenger. That's it. Guess what that just did? That took away both your and my idea that it's up to us to get the faith. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with Jesus. Why? Because you and I cannot produce enough faith within ourselves to do anything. Except God gives you something you ain't got nothing to work with. Are you following me? I'll prove it to you. I just want to set the foundation. Let's go to the next verse of scripture that I gave in the prior service as well. Let's leave John. Let's go over to Romans 12. Romans 12. And I'll show you this. Both. Uh, well, let's, we can go, I guess, straight over into the Amplified uh, translation. And again, I pray that you're writing these scriptures down as well. Romans 12. And, and, and let's go. Uh, let's, let's start in the Amp, if you don't mind. All right. There it is. Now, this is, I want you to make sure you get this, and we're going to go over to the King James immediately after this. Everyone read this with Pastor. Come on and read. For by what? The grace, which is what? Unmerited favor of God. Stop right there because some of you may be new here uh, or in the body of Christ. The word merit in Scripture is where we get a working term from. What you don't merit or what you don't earn is what the Scripture is talking about. So grace, you may want to write this down, grace is something you get that you did not labor for. You didn't work for grace. You can't work for grace. Grace is a favor. If someone gives you, if the person that you work for or work with, if they call you into the office and if they say to you, I know that you've worked 40 hours and this has nothing to do with a bonus, I just, the company's decided we've selected you and we just want to give you something. That's a grace. That's a favor. You didn't work for it. It's outside of your work scope, not the 40 hour work week, but we're going to give you something. That's a favor. So I want you to keep that in mind. Let's go back to the scripture for by grace, an unmerited favor of God. Watch this given to me. I warn everyone among you. Not to estimate and to think of himself more highly than he ought to. Not to have, watch this, come on, keep watching. Not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance. Look at somebody and tell them, don't think more of yourself than you should. Come on, look at one other person and tell them that's all that means. Don't think more of yourself than you should. Tell them, I love you. Come on, tell them, but you're not all that. <laughs> <laughs> some of y'all didn't want to say it but that's what the scripture says I can't help it now watch it come on come on go with pastor not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance but to rate your ability watch this with sober judgment each according to the degree of faith there's that word again apportioned by God to that person go to the King James I want you to see it from that angle as well 
Watch how the King James read. As a matter of fact, read this with me. Let's read. For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to do what? But to think soberly according as God has dealt what? To every man what? Note the language. Please write it down. Every believer has a measure. That means that you and I start out at the same place. I want you to get it in because there's two other, several other points I got to bring out of this. Every believer starts out with a measure of faith. Now, it is incumbent upon you and I after we get the measure to ask yourself the question, what have you done or what do you do with the measure that's been given? I used an illustration this morning, and he's here again today. I hope you don't mind me using you, Minister. Minister Ken, please stand up. Minister Ken, for years, has trained and worked in gyms. I mean, he has other jobs. He degreed, blah, blah, blah. But here's the bottom line. When you see Ken, you see a man that's fit, in shape. There's no need to look at him and be angry with his genetics. Well, he's just big boned it. <laughs> Let me help some of you. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and I know our pharmacist, Deacon Perry, could tell us this better than I can. I learned this through some medical doctors. There is no, am I right, Deacon? There's no such thing as big bones. <laughs> I know y'all think, child, they just big boned it. No, that's a myth. Everybody bones basically weigh the same thing. The skin and the tissue on the bone, that's a whole nother issue. Ken is not big boned. I have a picture of Ken when he's about a buck ten. No, all right, I don't have it. But trust me, it's out there. Ken had to work diligently. Watch this. The same measure you and I have, which is called the wheel. Same wheel, he took his wheel, and for years, he takes his wheel into a gym, and he does what is necessary to build the body he wants. He has the same measure. Come on, grab someone. Don't, don't be seated, Ken. Grab someone by the hand and tell them this is going to be a little rough. Come on, tell them, look at me while I'm talking to you. Tell them this is going to be a little rough. Tell them there's no excuse. For you or I not to be, if we want to be, a minister Kenneth Daniels. All right, Ken, I got you in enough trouble. You can be seated. Now, you and I have the same measure. But what do you do with it? <laughs> Since I got you angry. <laughs> I'm going to stay here for just a moment. You know what some of us do? <laughs> we don't take the measure and go work it. We find us a pill to go pop it. Because we want his results. But we don't want to do the measure thing. Come on. See, the same measure. Touch someone on the shoulder and tell them, you have the same measure. Come on, tell him, your, tell him your body may not look like his, but you got it, honey. Same measure. But the issue is, are you willing to put, watch this, to grow your measure? 
I'm, I'm still spiritual, people. Don't, don't lose me here. Because this application of faith, see, if you understand this basic doctrine, you understand how the doctrine of faith really works here. See, I'm using a natural illustration, but I want you to see the spiritual dynamic that's involved. See, it's the same thing with ministry or anything else. Everybody has a measure to do whatever it is that he or she does. That's why you can never be mad at somebody else's doing it. You know why we, you know, we're, again, you're going to think I've left the doctrine of faith and I'm not. I haven't. And I'll prove it to you in just another scripture. See, when we begin to bicker and talk negatively about one another, you're proving you don't have the basic doctrine of faith in you. Oh, okay. Let's, let's go to the word. Since you don't, I didn't see that in the scripture, pastor. Well, let me show it to you, precious. Come on, go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back. Go back to verse three. It's given to whom? Everyone that does what? Believes. Let let me give you another scripture. Uh, Let me take you a little further. Go with me over to James 1. I'll prove it to you. And then I'll let you go. James 1. I want you to see this so. James 1. Go to the book of James. The brother of Jesus here. Let's, let's, let's go to his book. Let, let's see exactly the language that he used here. James 1. And they've already put it up. All right. Let's go over to 22. If you can see it, just say amen. James 1 and 22. Yeah, I'm glad you're at the end. All right, I want you to read this out loud because remember, I'm talking about the basic doctrine of faith here, people. And and if you don't have the basic doctrine of faith, you won't even know why you act the way you act, why you treat people the way you treat them. You just think, well, I'm a gossiper because my mama was a gossiper. (laughs) No, really. I'm a gossiper because that's what we did in our house. We just sat around and talked. That's because faith was never activated in your house. See, when you're a faith person and you understand this doctrine, you don't sit around just talking about silly stuff all the time. But when you don't have a basic doctrine of faith in you, this is what you do. Let's go to the word and let's see if the word is right here. I know it is. But let's go to verse 22. Come on. Read it out loud with pastor. Let's read. But be ye doers of the word. What does that mean? Obey the message. Next And not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves. Wait, wait, wait. Stop. Don't read. Don't read. So if you are hearing, but you're not doing or obeying, watch this. There is a default that opens up in your life. In other words, when this doctrine of faith is not actively active in your life, you have just opened yourself up to think a certain kind of way. Let's go back to the word. Let's see what the word tells us. And let's see what the word shows us what happens to us when we're not understanding the basic doctrine of faith. Go back again to the very top of the scripture. Read one more time. But be doers of the word. Can't hear you. Obey the message and not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into what? Into deception. How? By reasoning contrary. So when you don't do the basic doctrine, guess what happens? Your mind turns on and you begin to reason your bad behavior away by the truth. So you're, listen, you've heard the word, you know the word, but you don't have the ability to do the word because you've allowed the reason of prejudice or whatever it is in your mind to take you away from what God is really saying. 
So you've allowed the environment of the world or your environment life to make sure that you never do the will of God. But the basic doctrine of faith says you got to turn off the world and listen to what God has said. Can I challenge you here for just a moment? God has given every one of us something to do. But we always don't do what God calls us to do. This is why you can have a church full of people, but a church full of people that don't do the will of God. And it never even shows because they do nothing in the church to help the church they believe in do what it's called to do. Why? Because there is no, you hear it, but you don't obey it. How many moms and dads do I have here? I'll prove it to you in just a moment. This won't take very long. How many know that you have given instructions for your children to do something in life? They missed it. Come on, you might as well lift your hands because your mom and dad gave you instructions and you didn't do something. Come on. So we, are, we all get the guilt trip here. So it's not that we didn't hear it. <laughs> we didn't always do it. When, my, when, when, when I was a teenager, there was one particular time. You know how you grow up and you don't want to do, you don't want to hang out with the adults because you got your own, little, your own little posse you want to hang out with? Come on, talk back to me. And I'll never forget, I remember my folks saying, all right, we're going to go over into the city uh, to visit the grand or their parents, my dad's parents, and I need you all boys to be ready at such and such time. Well, in Chicago, it was winter, and, and we, you know, we didn't have the luxuries that Floridians have. We had to make the best to do out of what we did. So we ice skate. We did everything in the winter. And so I'll never forget, uh, we went over to the park. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to skate. I wanted to get in this barrel. They had this barrel that if you put someone in, this is a bad thing for me to admit, but it's true. Uh, if you put someone in a barrel and he kept turning it real fast, they couldn't get out. I liked it. And I mean, it was, you ever see a hamster on a wheel? It, it was like a big giant wooden wheel. And if you get them in there and if you got enough people turning this thing, they would literally be stuck to the wall, and you'd hear boom, boom, boom. And for boys, it was a beautiful thing. And I wanted to go and hang out with my buddies that we could turn someone like a hamster. The problem was I had heard the word. I needed to be at home at a such, such time. I heard it, but I didn't activate the word. Now watch this. When it was time to go, my thought, my hope, my desire was that my parents would come to a conclusion. Oh, he's just out playing. We'll be back in a few hours. He'll be all right. Leave him alone. Well, it didn't happen that way. So here comes this big green car coming around the corner. And when the green car was coming around the corner, I saw it. But I was pretending I didn't see it. I'm, I'm being spiritual, people. See, when God gives us something to do, we can pretend we don't see it. We don't hear it, but there is usually a price for it. I didn't, I didn't abide by what I heard. Therefore, I deceived myself that it was still going to work out in my benefit. Can I prophesy? It didn't work out that well. And my friends had no problem saying, hey, man, you know you see your folks over there. And they were, it was a big gate. We weren't supposed to be in the gate. It was really closed. We've gotten under the gate. We've gotten through the gate. I didn't even know they knew that I knew about that place. They found me there. I, don't, I should have asked them how they figured that one out. How many know God knows all things? Or your parents. Same thing in my case. And by the time I could hear them calling, Aubrey! I went, oh, hey! 
Because now I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? I'm still spiritual about the basic doctrine of faith. See, we hear the word, but when we don't move on it, there can follow us some bad consequences. Watch this. How many know it was not the will of my, my parents did not wake up that day going, gee, I want to punish him. That's not what it was. But they set the bar. Call it faith. I had heard the bar. I chose to ignore the bar. So then by the time I got outside the gate, my mom's standing up and the door car was open. And I looked back and I could see all my friends at the gate looking. I didn't know what was about to happen. Dr. Gans once said something to me, uh, not to me directly, but making a point. What we choose to do outside of the will of God is our choice. We just don't have the power to say how we're going to reap it. I didn't have the power to reap. I didn't know what was going to come on. And when the door was open, I just thought I was hoping, I was hoping, I was hoping, I knew better, but I was hoping that I could, because I had a feeling what was about to happen and I didn't want it to happen. And I thought if I could dart in the car real quick, nothing could be said. But before I could get there, there was a purse that helped get me in that car door that by that Monday, all my friends had put it out in the school that I got, you know, that your friends exaggerate. She knocked him from one side of the car. It went, he went out the other door, got back in, and it was like a ping pong match. And they just made up a whole lot of stuff. Not only did I have to live with the discipline, watch this, I had to live now with the falsities that came with my friends. Can I make it spiritual? When God calls you to do something, he's not standing there to beat you up. But when you don't operate in the doctrine of faith, touch someone and tell them there are consequences that come with your life choices. There are consequences. So when we don't operate in faith, then we're outside of the will of God. Some of us will stay in dead places spiritually, never moving, because that's been our tradition. And we just stay there and we never move. Touch somebody and tell them it's time to do what God called you to do. Come on. Let's go back to it one more time. Verse 22, one more time in the amp. Love the way we read. But be ye doers of the word, obey the message, and not merely listeners to it, betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone listens to the word, as a matter of fact, read this with me. I don't want you to just think I'm reading, making up something. Verse 23, come on, read with pastor. For if anyone only listens to the word without what? Say that word again, Obey. obeying it and being a doer of it. Who is he like? He's like a man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. Verse 24, for he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what is faith. Faith is obedience to what God called you to do. Faith is obedience, acting in obedience to what God's called you to do. Where's the work? The work is just simply hearing it and doing it. It's not, it's not even complicated, people, but it does take courage. Can I say this to you? You young people, you listen to me. Any of you young teenagers, it's easy to become what everybody else is. That doesn't cost you anything. 
Because if you're just part of the crowd, you're just doing what everybody else is doing. That's what all followers do. That's not obedient to God. The blessings is not in the crowd. The, the blessings is with the Messiah, with Jesus. And if he calls you to do something that's deeper, listen, listen. We're, we've all been young before. Trust me. And I, I get it. 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 But when you want to do what God called you to do, you can't do everything that everybody else is say to do. Because now you're no different than them. Here's the problem. Being like them, you have to live the consequences in which they live in. Parents, am I telling your children right here? How many know that if you, come on, anybody over 25, raise your hand real quick. Anybody over 30, raise your hand. Let me cut out some of these numbers here. How many know if you could go back and do some things over, you do a whole lot of things different? Come on. Now, I'm not saying you should every day of your life live in regret of the stupid stuff you did. Touch someone on the shoulder and tell them, but you did a whole lot of stupid stuff. Go ahead. You have my permission to do it. Telling me the whole lot of stupid stuff. Now, when you look back over your level of ignorance and stupidity, watch this. You can't change what you did. But one of the many things you could do is warn another generation. Hey, don't be stupid. Don't, don't. Oh, no, son. See, if you run into that wall. You, you're going to be disfigured when you hit it because it's going to change your look. Well, I'm young. I can get away with it. No, your teeth may get knocked out. Maybe we may not ever be able to set them teeth back again. I'll go get me some new ones. Well, they may look like little chiplets in your mouth. Just, just big old shiny. <laughs> Y'all forget what chiplets are in here. Lord have mercy. That's, that, that's a fact. Here's the deal. See, your obedience to God is much bigger than just conforming to what everyone else does. So everything else everyone else does, how about choosing just to hear God and what God is saying? Somebody say, man, say, I, I, I want to not just hear the word. Come on, say, but I want to do the word as well. So here's the, here's the bottom line, and I, I want to make sure that you grab this. Part of your faith, a part of your basic doctrine of faith, operates out of two principles. Write these last two things down. i got to stop. It operates out of obedience to the word and also having what's called love or operating through love to do it. Because you can do something without your heart complying to it. And what I simply mean by this, and parents, you really get this. You can, you can force through sheer power someone to sit down because you're bigger and you're stronger but a disobedient child while he or she is sitting down because you force them to they're standing up on the inside because their heart never broke see part of faith is operating in love i can't get into that that's for the next few sessions here to get there because this is how this law of faith or this doctrine of faith really operates it operates through sheer obedience but your temperament has to be that of love because if not then you're just doing something to do it but your heart is disconnected from it here's the problem with that you can't receive with a disconnected heart your heart has to be connected to the things of God this is why people can go to a church but the church is never part of their lives they're there on a Sunday but they've not conformed Monday through Saturday and it's not because you're not or you are conforming to a local church 
It's your heart that's broken away from the things of God. Where does prejudice come from? And I'm not talking about just any kind of racial aminus. I'm talking about any form of prejudice when you have a silly belief system that has no facts. One of the things that I often used to say on TV and radio uh, to various ones that I would debate or argue with is that while you are certainly entitled to your opinion, you're not entitled to your own set of facts. Anybody can have an opinion. I can believe whatever I want to believe about you. It doesn't make it right. It may not be factual, my opinion, but not factual. Well, watch this. The same principle is true as it relates to faith, the basic tenet of faith. What, how, do we, how do we make sure that we have this? God speaks, and I'll give you this last example, and I'll stop. I gave this example in the first service. I need your honesty. How many honest people do I have here in my second service? If someone didn't lift up your hand, say, will you at least try to get honest? Go ahead. Now watch this. How many believe if you are a Christian, there is a heaven you're going to gain? That means because of your belief, there's a heaven to gain. If you believe that according to the scripture, then there's also a hell to shun. That means that while there's a heaven to gain, there's a hell to avoid. How many believe that? That's scripture, by the way. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. All right. How many love people? Not just who you're here with. You have a love for people. You don't want to see anybody hurt. If you had your way, how many know nobody would ever be homeless? Come on. If you had your way, everybody would be fulfilled in his or her life. All right. How many know there's nothing more important than heaven? It just isn't. Because hell is a place that no one, and we're going to deal with that, by the way. That's one of the basic doctrines of Scripture. And I know we don't hear it a lot, but you're going to hear it. And we're going to talk about hell. And it's going to make some of you uncomfortable. Because we don't like being uncomfortable. But watch this. I want to just finish this quick little exercise. How many love people? How many know there's a heaven to gain? How many know there's a hell to shun? Watch this. Well, if you love people, and according to the scripture, you're not just hearing, why is it that people in your life, your community, in your family, don't know your God? Notice how quiet you got. See, when I was talking about something that made monetary sense, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I need that house. Oh, hallelujah. I need that car. I need that husband. I need that wife. I need a new relationship. Oh, yes, Lord. And you can sweat and thank Jesus. But the moment I said something about someone being lost, it got real quiet. You know why? Can I tell you why it got quiet? It got quiet because even though you say you have faith, your faith has never turned into work. You've never done anything to help someone miss eternity without God. That means you see them every day. You see them every week. You go there. You know the life. You know the lifestyle. But you never say anything. Never. Oh, we're friends. We go out. I just, I don't have to tell them. I just, you know, by my life. Well, that ain't working, obviously. Because there are a lot of people that obviously is something in your life they're not following. Can I give you a real description of a faith person? If you're a real faith person, don't, don't, don't shout me down now. I'm in, your, I'm in your soup. Let me stir it up a little bit here. See, a real man or woman of faith have people following them. That's why I'm going to have you doing some obedience work as it relates to going to the new year. Because there are a lot of people that need to know who your Jesus is 
but you won't open up your mouth, even though you say you have faith. See, you don't want them to hit. See, if going to hell meant they hit that wall at full speed and they disfigure themselves, if you really love them, you do everything in your power to prevent them from ever hitting that wall because you never want anybody to be disfigured because you didn't say anything. I wonder how many of us never exercise our faith. We know it. We hear it. We can hear what they're saying, but our faith never comes alive to prevent them from hitting that wall. You're quiet. Good. Then I got you exactly where I want you. See, going into 2017, you got to have a change of heart and a change of mind. We're going to break this spirit of selfishness that has been too complacent with too many of you. See, your faith has only come alive when you're in trouble, when your job is funny, when your money is funny, when something is wrong with your home. No, I'm going to broaden your thinking. You're going to come alive for somebody else's faith, for somebody else's thinking. You're going to care about what somebody else is feeling, what somebody else is doing. See, that's real faith. That's hearing the word in doing it. I wonder how many of us, come on, stand to your feet. I'm going to get you out of here. I wonder how many of us have ever turned over our plate and instead of talking negatively about something or someone, we made a determination. Let's fast on Wednesday for them. Let's not eat. Let's proclaim the word of the Lord until they say yes to God. I wonder how many of us have gone that far. You see someone in trouble, you ever turn over your plate, God, we need you to answer for them within a certain period of time. They're in trouble. See, it's easy to talk it, but obedience makes you walk it. Are you hearing me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Come on, let's have a real broken heart here for just a moment. Would you pray this prayer with me? Uh, if you don't mind, say, Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Say, I recognize the very basic doctrines of the scripture are not things that I've lived out. But from this day forward, say, I believe over 2,000 years ago, you died. Three days later, you were resurrected. Say it with me like you believe it. And I believe you are putting me in this place to learn the fundamental things that I can find myself as a mature believer no longer depending upon the basic milk doctrines but moving from milk unto spiritual meat so help me I repent of my negligence and not doing your will help me become the man or woman that you're really calling me to do and be and I won't take any credit but I'll give your name all the honor, all the glory, all the power, all the dominion, as long as you allow me to do it. And with my hands lifted to you, come on, I offer you right now in faith my worship and my praise. Would you take five seconds and just lift up your hands? We hope this message has been a blessing in your life. To hear more inspiring, transformative messages, Visit glorytoglory.org and make sure you follow and like us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.